Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 118, Chatterview with Bill the Mad Scott Patterson, part one of our discussion. Having last week completed our JEDP series, we thought it might be of interest to chat with our friend Bill the Mad Scott Patterson from Bantry, Ireland, since he inspired the series. Like me, Bill thought to pursue ministry early in his life, but upon entering divinity school, was confronted with a theological education he could not even recognize as Christian, and, as he said, turned a young cover-to-cover Bible-believing man into someone scrabbling for answers, trying to get at the truth. Bill has become our favorite correspondent from across the pond. Welcome, Bill, to The Christian Atheist, and thanks for joining us. The main thrust of what I was trying to say was that surely in the the 200 years plus of this, especially the German attitude to the Bible, with the the GEDP and the, the various criticisms of the Bible itself, Right, right. What's the criticism called again? Oh, the higher criticism. The higher criticism. I couldn't get it out. I've got the wrong teeth in. Yeah. Okay, so back in the day, and just recently as we've talked about this, it occurred to me that there must be out there, surely the higher critics should have by now produced their own version of what they're saying the Bible is actually saying or not saying. But it seems like it's we have so many different versions of the, the Bible saying so many different things. Trying to find the truth and trying to choose a Bible from amongst the many Bibles. And I was going on to say that when I came back to the Lord, about 20 plus years ago, I came back and I destroyed an NIV. I used it so much for reading. I've no shame in saying that I, I still have the Bible, but it's full, it's in tatters. To me, that's a good sign. If, if, if you have a Bible that's pristine, it's never <laughs> been used. You know, this, this Bible was, I, I have an issue with Bible. You, you see these wonderful Bibles. I've actually bought one for my grandson recently. And the words of Jesus as a selling point are in red. But if you take the Bible as being the Word of God, then all the, all the text should be in red. Yeah, yeah. That's only just occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so when, no, I was just going to say, you um you you talked about the damage was already done by like your third year in college yeah. and you dropped out and became an electrician i already was an electrician and okay. i didn't leave college they they invited me to leave which basically meant i was ah, so i see in third year i spent most of my time in third year playing snooker <laughs> uh, and pool and such and just What's uh, I, by that stage I'd lost it altogether. <laughs> I, I did try to enter a local Bible college, but they didn't entertain me. So we lost a good man then, but I guess God had His own plans. But that's actually yeah. not so different from my story. I mean, yeah, you told I, that I, there. I, I listened to your story. It's, it's, I don't know what number they are, but they're, 
they're your story and you tell a story that's very similar to mine where you were yep. raised in a Christian setting and you drifted away very quickly. And that's what yep. happened to me. For about 25 years, I drifted away altogether. Mm. I did have meanderings back into church, but they were only they were only that. I never, ever got an answer to the questions I, I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. And I asked some very serious theologians and Christians, solid Christians, and I asked them, and they all came back to the same place where they just said, there's no argument against these guys, you know, because... You, you simply just have to regurgitate what they say. Trying to argue with them is, is kind of pointless. First off the bat, I took the view that these were not Christians talking to me. Yeah. It was the main view I got from them. As I listened to their view of things, I got the impression that I was not amongst Christians. 60%, 70% of the students were not Christians. Mm-hmm. They were social Christians raised up in the Church of Scotland, which is very poor on evangelical theology. I went on holiday to a very remote island called Skye on the west coast of Scotland. And I said to my wife, who's an Irish, she would have been raised Methodist, but then she ended up in a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's go along to this Church of Scotland, because she, she didn't really understand what I was talking about. I said, let's go and listen to this chap preaching. Let's go to the morning service and you'll hear this non-gospel, social gospel thing that is nothing whatsoever to do with God and Jesus. Yeah. And the guy turned out to be the most evangelical <laughs> preaching. <laughs> but the thing was, he was out in the middle of nowhere yeah. where he he was, you know, he was encouraged, shall we say, to not be where he should have been, right in the heart of things, you know. Right. Yeah, it's so. sad. I mean, C.S. Lewis talks about that in the article that I used for this series, too, Modern Theology and Biblical Criticism. And he's, by by the end of the essay, he's like lamenting, saying, look, if this doesn't turn around, the whole Anglican church is going to uh, fall apart because... If the people are Christians and they come to your church and you're teaching this stuff, they're going to recognize that you're not Christian and they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. So I guess the Church of Scotland is in the same boat, huh? It's the same thing. I mean, one of the churches that I preached in, maybe it's a sign of my preaching method, <laughs> um, became a furniture store. <laughs> and that's, that's true of many churches in Scotland, but also... A large percentage of the Anglican churches have become, you know, restaurants and such. You know, it's just they're losing the congregation's hand over fist because yep. they're trying to teach something that nobody wants to believe because it, there's nothing, there's no substance to it. They don't and preach Christ crucified at all. No, exactly right. They talk about, they talk about you know, whatever, but they don't make a big thing of it at all, really. You've got within the, the Anglican Church. Now, if Jenny's present, I do apologise to her. It's not that I have a thing against females, but Paul says very clearly, women should not speak in church. Now, the the, the first, there was a big, big kind of set to about the first Anglican vicar, 
who was a female. Yeah. But nowadays it's taken for granted. Yeah. So yep. That call that what you like. But now we have uh, gay vicars uh-huh. marrying marrying uh, gay people. Yep. You know, yep. Uh, I listened to a sermon this morning. I should send it to you. We were talking last week about the madness that is the woke situation. Yep. And this minister in America, he, he, what's the expression? He pulled no punches whatsoever. Yeah. He told it like it is, which is incredibly brave in today's situation. But he said, this is the way of it. You know, he, he went through all the bits and pieces of what woke is doing to America. What, what he was talking about was transism. Oh, my goodness, yes. In America. And he said it's, it's destroying everything that you can imagine. But at the same time, there are massive corporations who are adopting this. Yep. You know, encouraging it, taking a hit in the bank. They don't worry about losing money because yeah. they think that eventually the folks will come back to them. I mean, I try myself to never pull the punches and then come what may. I'll stand on God's side. And I I try to make that point at the end of each podcast with my outro that I choose Christ's side. And if that means that I'm going to be pummeled, okay, bring the pummels on. That's what this chap said. He made the point that if he said boo in the sermon, he'd get pummeled with uh, emails from people saying, you frightened me when you said boo. Yeah, exactly. I I know what I was going to say. When I was a young Christian in Bible college and I came across the passage in Isaiah, famous passage, where it says, woe unto those who take darkness for light, evil for good. I thought to myself, that's crazy. It could never be, you know, that radical of a reversal. And yet that is exactly what we are living through right now. When you can turn reality upside down because you have some sort of desire in your mind to recreate it in your own image instead of facing reality, you've turned mm-hmm. science around. You've turned the, the faith up upside down. You've inverted, literally inverted reality. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. I mean, I, 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 I remember reading that verse and saying to myself, okay, that's a little hyperbolic. That could never, it could never be quite that bad. I mean, I said, I'd look around and let's see, I was in Bible college in the eighties, like the late eighties. And so I said to myself, I, you know, it, it gets bad. I looked around. I thought, yeah, there's some, there's some bad stuff going on, but nobody's actually taking evil for good. We are now literally, and I'm, I'm not scared by it. But I'm like, what's going to happen? <laughs> Where does this lead us? I mean, the Roman Empire crashed. I guess we're on exactly the same path. But uh, I was, I was thinking about uh, there was various mentions of something like that. The empires that have crashed through the centuries. America is is at the moment seen as the world's police. If you follow me, I think it's I think it's losing its moral authority. Yeah, pretty much, because they're accepting all kinds of things. And as I say, corporate America is looking to create more of this. Mm -hmm. Um, It suits them to do this for whatever reason. I don't know. 
I mean, yeah. they're losing money. What was what was the company? The Miller Lite, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Budweiser. $30 billion, but these companies are not worried because they think they'll make it back. Yeah. You know, they'll recover. It's like they say when they talk about who has the microphone at the moment. Well, certainly for sure the woke people have the microphone. Yep. And nobody else has say, excuse me, that's rubbish. Yeah. Why are we not standing up? Why? I mean, I know... I know because they wield the power at this point. Yeah, but we 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 have it too easy. That's it. Yeah, you're right. You were you were saying about uh, things changing and suddenly going awry and such. But is it stressing you? Are you are you really suffering in any sense with it? Nope. You know, not really. Not not really. Mm-mm. I mean, you go down to the shops and you can fill up your basket and go home and. You know, just love your life. But uh, I read and was... uh, Actually, what I did was I was watching... I'm very much into Jewish things. And Mm -hmm. I I discovered the Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Center. And through that, that I discovered the Holocaust survivor stories. And these are are videos of folks. And they're about four hours worth for each person. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they're, they're asked odd questions, but they just keep talking, talking, talking. And the number of positive messages that come from them, having suffered so badly. I mean, I'm talking about Auschwitz survivors, you know. Right. These are people who have suffered the kind of turnaround of society. We're not there yet. Nowhere near it, you know. No, but they're taking us there. Yeah, they're trying to. I mean, that's yep. the thing. But uh, yep. at some point, someone has to say, well, excuse me, no, that's rubbish. You know? Yeah, I think that they are literally homicidal. They mm. are totalitarians who want to, ultimately, the hatred, the envy, the resentments that they have about their lives, which they think are so terrible, and actually they're like living mm. the lives of kings. But they've they've come from a place where, what, 10, 15, 20 years ago, being gay was against the law. Now it's turned around to where being gay is the thing to be, you know. And they're promoting it. And some of the things that I've been hearing are unbelievable. I've seen a couple of folks trying at town meetings, reading out these bits of paper of what, five, six, seven-year-olds are hearing absolute pornography and they're they're being shut down and told, you can't be reading that and yet teachers are allowed to read it to the kids. Yeah. Unbelievable. And and you know what? I have family members who have like castigated Jenny and I because they think of us as censoring books. (laughs) Seriously? You want to call me a censor when what, 10 years ago, you were taking Huckleberry Finn out of the library because it's not fit for students. I'd much rather have them reading Huckleberry Finn than the crap they're dishing out today. It's unbelievable. Five, six, seven-year-olds, to be honest, back in the day, as as an eight or nine or ten-year-old, kids would find things around the back of the playground, you know, and, oh, look at this, you know, but 
that, but that wasn't a teacher showing you this stuff or telling you exactly some yep. of the stuff that's coming out of these books. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Are we the moral right? Well, I don't, I don't think we are, but I think God is. <laughs> that is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of what they're doing is trying to tear down the very notion of right and wrong. Yeah, um, I was just going to. I was just going to ask you a question. What age are you? I am. 50, I'm going to be 57 on October 6th. Okay, so I'm 12 years older than you. And I can remember back to when every day without fail, we weren't forced to say prayers. We were saying prayers each day. Yeah. Primary school and then secondary school. Yeah. That's long gone. Yeah. And yet I felt in the midst of that, I felt such a peace in the midst of that, you know. Uh, yeah, they were they were known atheists in the teaching profession. They weren't forced to. They could choose not to to pray, right. but they did pray. They, they did lead the the students in prayer. We had assemblies where the headmaster would lead us all in prayer. So yep. that's all gone. It's gone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I I have a phrase. I mean, I'm working now on a book on Paradise Lost. Mm. Uh, and I'm writing the afterword right now. And mm. I have a phrase in there that what we've done as a culture is we've we've centralized the margins. Like you talked about having out in the playground, right? We had those margins that were always around the, the normal structures. But we've mm. now made them the center. And we've mm. marginalized the center. So we've mm. taken all of the things that have built the Western world brought it to the height of prosperity and we've banished them. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've brought in those d- destructive elements that are going to tear it all down. Jenny likes to say we're going into a, a, a new medieval period, <laughs> a dark ages. And well, who knows? Yeah. But the thing, the thing was something else I was listening to somewhere. I've been listening to a lot of the the links that Jenny has given me, and I've been I've been going. I've actually because of all these chats that we've had, and thinking about things, I've been going searching out searching out things. And one of the things that came out to me, actually, the chap today who was speaking said, "No, I don't know the actual figures, but let's say it was." Six to eight-year-olds would spend five hours a day in front of a machine. Yeah. Not not a TV. It'd be, you know, some kind of war game or something like that. Eight to 12-year-olds would be up around eight hours a day doing the same thing. You've probably seen these things. They shoot them up things, but it's not just, it's not like you and I used to do with a little cowboy. No, right. No, this is this is rifles firing at a person, right? And they, they disappear in a cloud of blood, you know. Mm-hmm. Now these, this is the playstations, etc. My goodness, I mean, yeah. the, the, how the uh, how are you supposed to stop that? And how, what what effect? Do you remember back to when you went to cinema? I mean, I'm showing my age here. I would go to cinema and see the cowboys, and I'd come out. <laughs> and if my friends and I would be running up the street, shooting at each other and riding our horses and doing exactly. what. Yeah. Uh, yep. 
copying it. So, so why would niche kids copy this as well? Right. And um, and what's it going to lead to? More columbines, maybe more yep. more of that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Wow. The world we've created now is so radically different from what anyone in previous history ever lived in, and we have no idea what the results of that's going to be. What's the solution? How do you turn that about? Only one. It's it's Christ. Yeah. There, there is no, there really literally is no other way. If we don't turn back, we are going down. Yeah. Because there's only one way to live in the world. It's the way that God made us. And yeah. if you're going to ignore all of the evidence that, you know, points out these natural structures of how living works, and you're going to decide to do whatever you please, you don't get to make up the laws of gravity, nor do you get to make up the laws of how men and women differ from one another and how they should relate to one another. So They're all set rules. My my four children are living in a society where there are no rules, really. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. They can live with someone. They can not bother living with someone and just pretty much make their own up, their, their own minds up about what they want to do. I certainly was a child of the 60s, you know. Yeah. So the rules went out kind of then. They were starting to go out. But my question to finish up maybe would be to say, are we heading in such a way that we could get as far as pre-1939 kind of set up? Because people are following what they're taking in as the truth, shall we say, is unbelievable. Yeah. You know? Yep, yep. I mean, Hitler and his cohorts, they knew what they were doing. Is it that far away up in your place? Is it that far away where, where I am? I don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah I, 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 see, I, don't, I don't know. I, I see things like that on the horizon. I really do. No, yeah. Well, I see kids here. I used to drive tour buses and I used to do kind of buses for discos. And they would empty out at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and these boys and girls, the boys, I, I never understood the boys because the girls were not dressed at all, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing left to the imagination, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the way of it now, you know. Mm-hmm. And drink is, you know, it's ten a penny now. It just that's that's the the way of living. Yeah. Maybe that will be what helps turn it around because, I mean, Jenny and I were talking about this just the other day and mm-hmm. she said, what, what's left to excite, to bring joy and happiness to this generation of kids? There yeah. is nothing that they haven't seen. There's yeah. nothing that they haven't done. It's like yeah. you can't shock them. You can't mm-hmm. excite them with something new. Maybe that will bring them to the point of recognizing, wow, Going back to boundaries and real, the real structures of reality, maybe that will be, you know, maybe they'll find happiness there, start moving back. I don't know. No, well, see, with these, uh, these games that they're playing on the TVs or whatever, that's the main games that these kids are playing. The boys mm-hmm. especially are buried yep. in them. They just go from one to another. Uh, and of course, they're, they're, in, they're now interactive, so there can be hundreds and hundreds of people taking on a town, say, 
yep. group of folks. You know, it's just it's beyond belief. So, yep. having said that, I, I like the golf game. I play the golf game sometimes. <laughs> I, I used to play the golf against my sons, but one, once they got better at it, I gave up. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they have the advantage for sure in in the skill sets mm. for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can move their thumbs faster than I can. That's, That's true. <laughs> yeah, our joints aren't quite what they used to be for sure. No, no, that's not. <laughs> I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.